0: Welcome to Beyond the Walls podcast. I'm your host, Kylie, and I want to share through personal experience and life lessons learned about personal walls that I have overcome and overcoming still, and to give you hope and tools to go beyond your walls too. Let's get started. I love it when your path crosses people and you don't know whether it's for a season, just a moment in time, or if it's going to become this like lifelong friendship. But I'm excited to introduce you guys today to my guest, Amanda McMaster. And lo and behold, okay, we moved here in 2018 and my son went to the local public school and started kindergarten. And he had this sweet little friend in school named Marlo. So cute and so fun. And I did not know Marlo's mom, but we ended up at a neighbor's house. She was doing a Bible study And I met Amanda there, I don't know, we might've even only been at like two or three of the book clubs, I think. And then never really saw her again for like five more years. And then I kept seeing all of these really fun posts on Instagram and on Facebook and just seeing really cool stuff that she's been up to. So I reached out to her and was like, Hey, remember me? We had this connection way back in the day, let's get coffee. Let's get to let's get reacquainted with where we are at today, and I am so glad that we did. And Amanda has an amazing message to share with you guys, and I'm so excited to be able to share her with you. So, Amanda, welcome. Tell my audience what they should know about you today.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm Amanda McMaster, and uh, similar to you, I live north of Dallas here in Texas, yeah. and um, I'm. Married to my college sweetheart, we've been married almost 22 years.
2: Congrats! We have,
1: thank you. We have um, two daughters, Amelia and Marlo. Like you mentioned, that are at 12 and 10. And I'm trying to think of what else, we are former missionaries. Used to be in uh, full time ministry in Michigan. Really, Texas is home. We got back here as fast as we could. Let's see. We'll get into this a little bit more as I share my story. But I've um, had my own wellness business for going on eight and a half years, and uh, got into Christian life coaching around 2019. And realized I had actually been a coach for a long time. I just didn't know I was coaching people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've worked. I've worked with women. Uh, for 20 plus years, just as a coach, mentor, discipler, how, you know, there's lots of different titles, but just working closely with women, I'm just passionate about women's growth and transformation, whether it's in their faith, but also in my wellness business. Um, I just, I'm a sucker for transformations, even Mm. uh, home renovations, before and afters, makeovers, all that kind of stuff. I love seeing people grow and change and develop. And so, um, yeah,
0: I love that. I'm so
1: glad to be here.
0: Yeah. You are definitely a girl after my own heart. I feel the same way. And also being, I was born in Michigan,
1: but I think you were born in Texas, right? I was born in Pennsylvania and we traveled a bunch. I I grew up in Texas. Texas is home. I landed here by by first grade. And so Wow. Yeah. I've also lived in Pennsylvania. So it's like, we've just, okay. our circles have just been. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I definitely would also agree with you. Texas is also my home. I love Texas so much. Um, and, but I did enjoy my time in Michigan, but as we were just discussing, I, I think we're over the winters,
1: right? We would take oh, Texas. I'm saying winter. winters last like two months here, basically yeah. January and February maybe another cold front around Easter, but done with that. It. That's it. That's yeah. all I want. I took a
0: walk earlier today in flip-flops and a sweatshirt. It was glorious. There you go. That's all right. classic Texas
1: flip-flops and a sweatshirt. <laughs> yes. With
0: the warm sunshine. Oh, it was so amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, so today I think being able to hear your story again, I'm like, you have so much to share about just kind of just your even health journey, which you mentioned what you do in your health coaching. Um, and so you've been through so many different stressful events and then have come to such a great transformation now. So why don't you just kind of tell us your whole story and then we can kind of take it from there.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm going to kind of start, um, kind of in the middle of my story in the sense that Chris and I had been married for around eight years or so. We didn't have kids yet because we were trying and it just wasn't working the way we wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what would I have been? I would have been like in my late twenties, early thirties and found myself completely infertile. Mm-hmm. and spoiler alert, is I never was able to conceive. I've never even had a miscarriage. I've never been pregnant, but was in that journey for about um, eight years. And then once we decided to move on past that, we went through adoption, adopted our first daughter, Amelia, who was a special needs baby. She actually came home with us Um, from the hospital, we didn't know she was a special needs baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, um, but through some very stressful and really that's putting it lightly, more like traumatic events with her not being able to eat and breathe in those first couple of weeks ended up back in the NICU. She was diagnosed with a page full of diagnoses and, um, and all of a sudden we had a special needs baby. (laughs) Um, So very stressful, traumatic, unexpected, especially after eight years of infertility, just being so, so grateful to now have a child, but now the child's suffering and struggling. Yeah. Um, so just this tension of like gratitude, but also absolute fear of yeah. like what's going to happen Yeah. and feeling so ill-equipped for that. We adopted our second daughter two years later, who was fully healthy. And we lived with my parents for about eight months until Chris was able to get his first corporate job ever because we went straight from college to ministry. Mm. We got a um, fixer upper house and fully renovated it. And um, all that to say, I'm kind of just lifting these off and kind of blowing past all these situations just to paint this picture of, it was 10 years of trauma and stress and very difficult, challenging times. It wasn't yeah. just one thing. It was a lot of things. It yeah. was infertility, adoption, a special needs baby, being forced out of full-time ministry, living with my parents, right? And um, so it was just yeah. a lot. Yeah. And well, even changing careers, right? Because it's not like yes.
0: you just had to, you lost a job in and had to get careers. a new one. So that's like a career change on top of that. Yes,
1: Yeah. It was truly like figuring out, okay, we thought we were going to spend our whole life being in ministry, which is a very purpose-filled life. Yeah. You feel very satisfied. It's very rewarding. And then going to, I just need to clock in and clock out of my job yeah. and make ends meet. Yeah, it it really stripped away some purpose and identity, even. Yeah. Um. So finding just that new normal. Mm. Um. On top of that, I did have uh, health issues way back in infertility. Uh, you know, it's kind of protocol for them to test your hormones, test your thyroid, and I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which is, I think, the most common. Mm autoimmune disease out there just impacting your thyroid I know that thyroid medicine levothyroxine is the most prescribed prescription out there it's just so common for women to have thyroid issues but at the time I was so laser focused on having a baby that I was just like give me the pill tell me what to do I just you know want a baby and so during those 10 years my health my physical health was really on the back burner of like, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. And obviously what happens through stress and trauma is it takes a toll on your body. Your body does suffer. Um, for me living in survival mode, like it was like chronic survival mode, Mm. absolutely took a toll, um, on my physical health. And so we come back here to Texas, we get settled, we end up moving up here to Dallas. By that point, I had my wellness business and was crushing it, doing really well, but still operating almost mm-hmm. from a place of survival mode in my business. It yeah. it I never really stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I never really got out of that. Not only headspace, like mental space, but also just physically, I was still operating off of adrenaline. Yeah. And kind of where we're going with this is I found myself in 2019 with um, just full blown adrenal fatigue, like a legitimate physical burnout where my adrenal went kaput, my hormones were completely out of whack. And I was in a place of mental exhaustion.
2: Yeah.
1: And Uh, and depression. Mm. So went to see a therapist. I mean, you know, just recognizing at that point, I need help. I need to process through this. And it's funny because this just shows you how blind we are to our blind spots. Mm -hmm. It's really my thought in going to the therapist was, man, I'm just really not enjoying work anymore. I was like, I don't feel like myself. I'm not, I don't Um, I've lost my motivation. I've lost Mm. my excitement. And I just kind of want to dig into that. Yeah. And as she, and as I told her the story that I just told you of the last, you know, I just had 10 years of trauma. She was like, wow, you've been through a lot, haven't you? And that was truly the first time where I was forced to recognize and acknowledge what I had just mm-hmm. been through. yeah, um, it's probably safe to say I was living in either some sense of denial mm-hmm. or just total unawareness of oh. like that was hard. i I hadn't paused to say that was hard. Mm-hmm. and and that's what uh, my therapist really invited me, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> invited me to do was really just acknowledge. What I had just been through, yeah. and that for me was the beginning of healing. But it it truly was just the start, yeah, um, for me. Yeah, it was really the first place that I even recognized that I hadn't allowed myself to say that it was hard, and I hadn't allowed myself to um, validate my feelings. Yeah, because there she was sitting across from me. And I told her the story just as simply as I told you guys. It's not like I was in tears or anything. Yeah, I just here's what I've been through. And it wasn't until she stopped and like invited me to call it what it was and say, that was hard, man, when you wanted a baby and you weren't getting one. What was that like? Mm. And I found myself being like, that's okay. You know, I made it through like, totally minimizing yeah the difficulty and what i what i know now is that i really never allowed myself to experience the hard emotions that comes with each of those trials yeah it wasn't just that i was being optimistic or hopeful mm-hmm. or having faith i really did not allow myself to feel the emotions that come with each of those trials. I can remember one time I broke down hmm. when Amelia was first admitted to the NICU, I came home and I sobbed yeah because it was like what if she's not gonna make it yeah and and truly in those 10 years that was like the only time that I really allowed myself wow. to feel an avoidance of emotions, Mm. Um, I had a leader in my life tell me I was too emotional. It was in like a um like a work evaluation type yeah. thing. but but it was presented as like Amanda's growing in this area. Like she's mm. learning to handle her emotions. But I definitely took it as, oh, emotions are bad. Mm. And maturing must mean that I cry less because yeah. <laughs> I was a crier. <laughs> mm. And um so I I had that story in my head. Yeah as I went through those 10 years. Yeah. And so um I really believed that to faithfully through those situations would mean to focus on truth and focus on, you know, the having perspective in it all, but at the expense of my emotions. Yeah. And when we chronically avoid our emotions, we do end up with something like adrenal fatigue because our body is trying to compensate, um, trying to keep up Yeah. rather than giving ourselves that permission to rest, to grieve, to struggle, to feel afraid. Yeah. um, All of that. Yeah.
0: Boy. Yeah. It's almost like um, we don't realize, right? Like you call it a blind spot. Right. And I'm thinking of like, as you're listening to this story and you can look back, you're like, did you, it's all, I wonder, like you probably, you didn't even know you were surviving in all of those 10 years until all of a sudden, like, you don't know what it looks like to not be in survival mode. Right. So almost how to live a completely different way. Oh, you know, so my podcast was called beyond the walls, right? Like how do we take down those walls in our life that are just like trapping us in? So it, um, not being emotional and just getting it done, you know, is a wall that she, your therapist really kind of got you through to like put down the wall of, I don't know what you would call it. Is it bravery suck it upness like Mm, just mm -hmm. get the job done keep moving forward like I guess what would you kind of call it and then how hard was it then once it kind of like came down like did it did you allow it to crumble all at once and then you just kind of like laid bare or was was there a lot of resistance in embracing the emotions like maybe tell me a little bit about that transitional space
1: Yeah. So, um, man, I, I think, praise God for my therapist. I think I only had like 20 sessions with her and before, uh, COVID started. Oh yeah. Uh, so they were in person. Imagine that meeting with someone in person. Um, (laughs) but those sessions were the foundation. Like she probably without realizing it truly set the foundation for my healing and growth and my own transformation, because in those sessions, not only did she provide me the space to grieve and to get angry and to be sad and to be, feel the deep disappointment of like each of those circumstances. yeah. But she started to give me just some very basic skills uh, to start like you said, experiencing life differently. Um, So she invited me to feel, which was a life skill I obviously didn't have. She really encouraged me to talk to myself differently, Mm. um, to be kind to myself, to talk to myself the way that I would a friend going through a hard time, rather than like what you were saying, suck it up and get through it. Yeah. And I would say that it definitely the growth and change came gradually. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quick. It wasn't overnight. It was just taking those couple skills that she gave me mm-hmm. and starting to practice with them because it ultimately required me to really retrain my brain in the way that I thought about emotions. And I remember the time following meeting with her, um, I actually went through a time of depression. And I think it's, just because I allowed all of those feelings that I'd shoved down to surface mm. um, and feel them, and it's almost like I went, I experienced the sadness that I should have experienced.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: through all of that time, I experienced it like compounded, yeah, like 10 um, years but, worth all at once. Yeah, but mm. but in that time, what I kept telling myself is. You're finite. You are limited. It's okay to feel this way because you can't do everything all at once. And really accepting um, that I was like finite and fragile, it was kind of like accepting my humanness like, um, you're a human. And what I would learn later, another skill that I would learn later is like, Part of being human is being emotional. Mm -hmm. And if you're resisting your emotions, you're really resisting that part of just being human, being a creative being Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to feel the feelings. Um, That came later was really learning that skill. But initially those couple skills of being kind to myself, talking to myself so differently and just accepting the fact that I'm fragile and finite. Yeah. Because that's very different than like, suck it up and get through it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah,
0: definitely. (laughs) I'm curious um, if it's not too personal and you don't mind sharing. um, I would imagine this had to have had a huge impact on how you and your husband related with one another. Like, so I'm curious, like, in those 10 years where you're in survival mode, like was your husband trying to express emotion along the way, or was he also in a survival, you know, were you battling side by side where you guys tempted to fight each other?
1: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that he was trying to, um, the emotional and I was resisting it. I think we were both very especially I'm thinking specifically when we had Amelia as an infant. Mm-hmm. Special needs. She's going to like three or four doctor appointments a week, multiple therapist appointments. I mean, it was truly survival mode for yeah. us. Um not that it has to be, but it was for us. Yeah. I see um I have this, an Instagram friend who has a special needs son and I See the way she's doing it, and I'm like, Yeah, mm-hmm. you're doing it the right way. That was yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. So not that it has to be survival mode, but for us it was. And um when we left full-time ministry, my husband experienced a real loss of identity that I did not experience. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'm saying is that we both definitely experienced the circumstances differently. Yeah. And yet we were both in a season of struggle and survival in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, it of course impacted our marriage. I think for a time I didn't know how to express what I was thinking or feeling. Yeah. And so our communication really suffered And until I was able to put it all into words, he really was in the dark. And Hmm. even as wives, if we feel in the dark about what our husbands are going through, you feel helpless, you feel, you know, just like, so that's what he was going through as I was like, Hmm. really having to figure out myself and And how I was going to move and move forward and getting, until I had those skills to help myself, I, it's almost like I didn't even know what help to ask for. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: And it's scary because then you're like, we don't have the language ourselves. Then it's really hard to come together when we might really want to come together and to be able to talk about it together. And how do we share about it? it's really important that we are healing ourselves, right? Like our spouses don't complete us. Like we're two whole individuals that have been put together to try and get through life, right? Like we're we're two hot messes trying to figure it out, but we- Yeah, really? Them,
1: yeah.
0: Right? Like, but we're impacting each other and we want to come alongside of each other, but we can't fix each other, right? Like we're not responsible for each other, but we do get to be a great resource for each other. And so I think even in those journeys, at least I can know in my own marriage and in my own journey of like, there's so many times where it just felt like we were each other's enemies and we couldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, either actively sabotaging each other to then figuring out like, oh, we got to take responsibility and deal with our own emotions. Like we don't even know, like the self-awareness to know where do we end? Where do we begin? Like, how do I process my stuff? And then how can we be strong enough to then share when you're processing your things, I'm processing my things. And then how do we get to come alongside of each other and almost create a whole new language, right? Like I imagine you, you now speak probably very differently than you used yeah. to Isn't and process, because stress still comes, right? Like it's not like yeah. you're not ever being in stressful situations and your parents, you know, you've got almost two teenagers now, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> so stressful. And so how, what has been the best transition that has happened, the reward for you guys, even in your marriage and how you guys process stress together or individually since that time of embracing your feelings and emotions?
1: Yeah, I I think we're just able to communicate now, (laughs) Mm. which makes a world of difference to when, when you can articulate your thoughts and emotions so that makes a huge difference, but also for me, learning the skill of being kind to myself, I, and I've, it's funny, I've, I've actually always said this as in ministry. And as I've worked with people, I've always said, like, you will always treat other people the way that you believe God treats you and the way that you treat yourself. Hmm. So learning to be kind to myself, ultimately, the way that I believe that God is kind to me, yeah. uh, allows me to be kinder to my husband, allows me to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think, I think we've become far less accusatory of each other mm. and far more curious. Yeah. Rather than jumping to the conclusion or the assumption, it's... Yeah. Hey, I could be wrong here, but here's what I think I'm seeing. Am I right? as we as we start to get curious with ourselves of like, hey, what am I feeling right now? What is this? And far less just judgmental of ourselves of like, I don't know what I'm feeling, but it's wrong, and I'm not going to allow myself to feel it, you know, <laughs> like yeah, um, yeah, then we we naturally are going to, going to treat people different.
0: Yeah, well, and I love that language of the like become curious even in the opposite of then condemnation. Right. Cause I, yeah. When you were given that advice way back when of like, get better at being less emotional, right. Like have better self essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You no, know,
0: then if you're demonizing emotions, like emotions are bad. And it's like, instead of, if we're just curious, like, man, like, pain is important information, right? Like mm-hmm. those negative feelings, like the pain, you don't, you don't touch the hot stove when it's on fire. Like if we didn't have that pain information to not go do something or we're in danger, we need to take a minute and like figure out what's happening. But if we don't stop to figure out what's happening, then yeah, we can't even take an in information, but if we can, I like the language of be curious, instead of accusatory. Cause even for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm feeling something instead of being like, I shouldn't be feeling this mm-hmm. now. It's why am I feeling this? Mm-hmm. And then we can do something about it. Then there's some healing in it. What do you feel like if you, do you have a word or a thought? Like one of the things that I say is, um, bold faced lies, Like, I feel like we listen to bold-faced lies all the time, especially when it comes to like just our value and our self-worth. Like you should just suffer and be a martyr, right? Like that is a bold-faced lie. You are valuable. That's the truth. And so there had to have been some kind of bold-faced lie for you back then of like what it meant to be emotional or to even like to pause in those moments. Do you know right now, like if you could put it in that practical sense of like, how were you living? What was the lie you were surviving under in those 10 years?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I like, I'll I'll say what came to mind is I'm thinking specifically once we were out of ministry, um, back here in Texas and I was building my business. Um, one lie that I had bought into that was a hundred percent impacting my fatigue and ultimately led to my burnout was valuing uh, speed and productivity Mm. and that um, speed is superior, Mm. you know, um, lots of, there's lots of business cliches about speed, right? Like the speed of the leader, the speed of the team and um, speed is better just, it's better to go fast. Like that's how you build momentum in your business. That's how you eventually see results is faster. You have to maintain intensity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, which is so funny. I think that was very common, even like eight years ago when I started my business, And I do feel like the message is, is shifting because so many people did burn out under that bullface lie. So many yeah. people did hustle to the point of exhaustion and burnout. And so I'm thankful that the messaging now is more about sustainability Mm. and slow and steady and um, all of that. But what happens is when you adopt that lie of speed is superior, um, then you don't slow down to feel the feeling. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> because you, don't it's have time. Costing you No, time is money and it's costing you results yeah. to slow down and allow yourself to feel and so um I'm so thankful I in uh 2021 I started working with a business coach who talked about the importance of slowing down in business like yeah. that actually slowing down leads to better results slowing yeah. down and thinking slowing down and planning slowing down and being proactive Slowing down and thinking ahead, like, rather than l- constantly living a reactive life, really striving to live a proactive life yeah, requires so. you to slow down. And so really letting go of that bold face lie. Ooh, yeah. game changer, especially for my emotional health. And, yeah. and it didn't come without having to relearn some ways of thinking. Yeah. But um that for sure. Yeah. Was a bold faced lie that I had to let go of as I completely pivoted. Yeah. And started to embrace just my emotional health.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think of two, I'm I'm curious, you know, back in those beginning days. Um, I mean, you mentioned like it wasn't an optimism, but I imagine like,
2: Mm.
0: you're also a positive person in general. yeah, Right. And so I had just actually spoke about this. Um, I go live every Friday on Instagram. And so I was talking about the difference of like the half is glass full or the glasses half full or half empty. Right. And Mm -hmm. we're like, there's positive people and negative people. And I categorized it so minimally. I mean, there's, there's shades and there's variations to this, but I almost feel like, so my husband's negative and I would be positive. And I feel like oftentimes- That's
1: too. Yeah, yeah,
0: like I'm getting mad at him because I feel like negativity is like slowing us down, right? Like, what's the point? It doesn't change the outcome. Like, let's just keep moving forward, right? But then I think he views my positivity as just like naive and Pollyanna and unrealistic, <laughs> right? Like there's still getting logic, right? Like he's logical, I'm emotional. And so- then you put faith into the conversation and then you put in, you know, I heard in the beginning too, you're like, let me be grateful. Like let's, how do we mix like disappointment and gratitude mm. with faith and surrender, hopes and dreams, but contentment. And like, that's a lot to even unpack if like, we put so much burden on us. That's like, They're this or that either, or we can't do both. Like, how can we have a dream and be disappointed and be okay, right? Like it doesn't have to mean we're faithless, but that can be a scary place. You know, like, what do you feel like when you were doing your healing and reprocessing all of those earlier days? Like, what was some kindness that you had to give to yourself Mm -hmm. in just, being sad, I guess, being okay that you were sad in those moments or disappointed or frustrated and still being able to accept and not like completely walk away from God in those moments.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being emotional, we are emotional because God is emotional, but I do believe it's filtering our emotions through truth. So yeah. some people might say, validate all your emotions, all your emotions are valid. <laughs> I would say, well, they're valid in the sense that you're feeling them, but I don't think all emotions are proper or appropriate or healthy. Mm. Um, and so it's not either, or it's not like either I'm content or I'm desiring more. I, I think because we are humans, we are complex. I think it is both. And yes. It's, I am both happy and sad. I am both afraid and excited, right? It yeah. is both and, and allowing ourselves to realize that part of being human is we're complex. We can have multiple thoughts and desires at the same time. We're very fickle creatures. Yeah. We want one thing one day and another thing another day. Yeah. And rather than saying that's wrong, saying that's That's the fact. Like that—that is the fact. And so, really realigning our expectations of ourselves, yeah, not to what we believe the ideal should be, but to what reality is. Um, so readjusting our expectations of ourselves, but then going back to I'm human. Yeah, I'm human. I feel this way because I'm human. I'm complicated. I'm finite. And giving yourself the permission to feel those feelings, they say that on average, it takes about 90 seconds for a very intense emotion to pass through your body. Hmm. Because emotions are really um physical experiences hmm. of our thoughts. <laughs> if yeah. I can that's how I explain it with my um clients and as I coach people as I help them break down what are your thoughts? Let's isolate those. And then what emotions or what physical experience do those thoughts then create?
2: Yeah.
1: Um lots of times people are so in their head and you have to teach people to get in their body, meaning a lot of people don't even notice when their heart rate is increasing yeah. or when their breathing becomes shallow. Or when, um, you know, they, they don't even notice what yeah. are you physically experiencing? They don't notice when they're tired. Yeah. They just keep going. They don't allow themselves to feel tired. And so it's really allowing yourself and, and going back to, like we were saying, getting curious, giving yourself the permission to feel the feelings and knowing I think a lot of times people are afraid to feel the intense hard feelings like disappointment, frustration, anger, because there's a part of them that thinks, like, this is gonna last forever. Like, how am I gonna make this stop? But really, if you give yourself 90 seconds, mm. you will see that your pulse begins to regulate again, your breathing starts to normalize again, you physically calm down. Yeah. Um, and so Yeah, I think giving yourself that grace and that permission to feel the intense feeling, um, but also to really, like we have said, like identify why am I feeling this way? And is this thought appropriate? Is it healthy? Is it true? Um, And that also tempers our emotions as well. Because if we're thinking something that's not even true or right, it's not, Healthy, yeah. if not appropriate, then then not puts those feelings in the proper place as well.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: and
0: then we can do something with it, right? And I liked how you put finite in there because it's just so easy for us to feel so catastrophized, right? Like yeah. it's all or nothing, and it's always going to be this way. Or if we pause to process this emotion, then we're going to waste our time. Like almost like yeah. it's delaying our ability to keep moving forward when really when we just deny it it'll come back around like it will come back and hit you you know I think of um there's one of those cliches that's like if you don't take time for your health you'll have to take time for your health you know like when you get that last straw like it's not you're gonna be forced to take care of yourself or you can choose to take care of yourself now before you get to that breaking point Yes. And how do we right? like how important it is that we do really put some real tangible words. Like that's something that I'm always saying is like, label it like this really is how I'm feeling. This is really what I'm afraid of even right. Like, because there is always an a bold faced lie around the corner in that meaning that we attach to it. Well, if I'm ungrateful, then this is this, or if I'm going to do that, then it means something either about me, my identity somebody else's identity, the whole future, right? Like our whole, what's the pressure? There's so much pressure that we put on ourselves, but without being finite, without being like specific about it, it feels that much more overwhelming because we don't even know what we're dealing with.
1: Yeah. Our brains are so dramatic. (laughs) I, I teach people, our brains are like somewhere between a toddler and like, the overdramatic best friend that we had in high school of like, yeah. oh everyone is gonna die. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Our our brain is just so overdramatic, and so, but once we know that that that's how our brain is, is we yeah. can, and it's doing it to protect us. It's doing yeah. it to keep us safe. Um, we can, like you are saying, label it. Say, okay, my brain is just trying to protect me right now. but reality is
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Like,
0: and then we can be both. Like, I think that's so essential that we can be both upset and hurt and disappointed and still hope for the future. Right. Like it's not either or, but and both. I love that. What do you feel like? Um, I guess maybe talk us through then what it looked like to start feeling your feels, I guess, is that what you meant by like feeling the physical manifestation or, you know, what does that look like
1: for you now? Yeah. So now I kind of, like I just mentioned of really growing in self-awareness to where you can identify the thought and the physical emotion that you're having, a lot of times, well, most times we experience the emotion before we can identify the thought behind it. Hmm. We're more aware of the fact that I feel anxious. Like, have you ever, I know other people have thought this, like, I feel anxious, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Like we probably all thought that before because our body is experiencing anxiety and we have to stop. And and ask ourselves why do I feel anxious right now? And I'll be honest, I can't always identify it. Sometimes my body's just having a weird day. Yeah. But sometimes there's a thought there. Um, my daughter Marlo, when she uh was younger, much younger, like early en- elementary years, um, my husband would travel a lot more than he does now, and The first day she'd be okay, the second day she'd be okay. And by the third day, she is just throwing a fit over every little thing, Mm. which would be out of character for her. Sure, she'd throw the occasional fit, but it is just like over every little thing. And of course, initially you just address the fits, right? But when I realized it was a pattern, It occurred to me one day to ask her the question, are you sad because daddy's out of town? Mm. And she would immediately start crying. Mm. Yes. And she would just lose it. Yeah. And it's such a good example. We're the same way. We can feel anxious for days, but until we identify, why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Then we've, what ends up happening is we feel really out of control of our bodies and we feel really out of control of ourselves. We end up feeling like a victim of like, why does my body doing this to me? Like, why do I feel anxious? But yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so really taking control and.
0: Oh, I'm curious if you can speak for a minute. I think what's challenging when we talk about health, cause that was kind of like where you really started. And it sounds like you had some symptoms pre your major stress season, like real physical ailment. And then you went through all of this and then the emotion, you know, all this suppression kind of triggered this on, you know, flood. I can no longer contain this anymore. I think what's challenging with health is like, they're not easy fixes. Like they're not overnight Mm. sensations. They're not overnight healings. It's not like you can just take one pill and it's all gone, so yeah. what like hope would you have to my audience, whether it's real physical autoimmune anxiety type stuff and then the emotional journey when like it's it's gonna take time, maybe even time to figure out even what is at the source and then being patient long enough for trial and error.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, if I could go back and talk to Amanda, you know, circa uh, what would that have been? You know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah. Um, I feel absolutely confident I'd be able to help her have a hold on her health to really sustain her through those stressful years. And here's what I would tell her is the way that it's it's what I help my clients with and my customers with today. Um, and what I sh- predominantly share on Instagram is I really believe there's five simple habits mm. that no one's going to bat an eye at and say, that wouldn't work for me because they're all science-backed proof, like proven that everyone should be doing it. It's It's the things we all know we should be doing, yeah, mm-hmm. but don't always do. But I yeah. truly believe they can transform your health in a matter of weeks if you make them non-negotiables in your life. It's properly hydrating yourself, moving your body a few times a week at least, getting adequate sleep at night, eating food that energizes you, and um, taking care of your gut health and um, prioritizing I'm, I'm pro supplements. Not everyone out there is pro supplements. <laughs> they they get it all from, I no give me a pill. I want, yeah. to, not as a quick fix, but just, yeah. you know, there are just some things I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to eat perfectly. Give me the vitamin. Yeah. So that's me. Uh, yeah. So those are the five habits yeah. that I truly believe, even if you just pick two, and do them consistently. I've seen people that just focus on drinking enough water and moving their body a few times a week, and they've told me after a couple of weeks, I feel completely different. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't believe in quick fixes in the sense of you know, of what we all associate with quick fixes, but I do believe that small changes add up and compound quickly. you know, consistency compounds. And so, um, that's how I help people is just by Mm. helping them focus on a few simple habits. Like I said, the things we know we should be doing, but we're not doing them, but guess what? When you do them, they really are life-changing. Um, so that's what I would go back. And that's where I'm at today is like, we just got done with the holiday season with craziness and Through it all, I had my non-negotiables of no matter what, I'm going to drink my minimum hydration today and I'm going to get enough sleep at night. Um, I didn't exercise as much as I usually do. Oh, and I did take my supplements every day, you know, and I didn't eat perfectly. I didn't exercise perfectly, but at least I knew I'm well hydrated. I'm getting sleep at night and I'm taking my supplements to fill in the gaps, you know, for all the places I'm lacking. And so that's really what I preach today is I think if yeah. people would just do what they know they're supposed to do, they yeah. would feel tons yeah. better. Yeah. And it impacts your emotional health. It impacts your physical health. And it does lead, you know, to your body healing Yeah, uh, more quickly. Yeah. Well,
0: and I feel like there's so much, even all of those things that you just shared. I love those. We hear them altered and twisted mm. in culture and society right because there's like diet culture and then there's mm. our looks like how we should look whether it's physical or with our emotions like how do we behave how do we come across right we're always just trying to present this like pressury performance right like we're having to prove ourselves versus like we just are worth it and we're taking care of ourselves like and I feel like at least that's been part of my journey I think through the years is like man how can we choose these things right like exercise like I grew up with this mindset that like people who do take care of and do all of those things it is obsessive Mm. like so much just like a negative connotation around it that like just brings pressure. They're
1: obsessed with their health. Yeah, Yeah. you're just obsessed.
0: And you're gonna sacrifice, you know, this for that. Like you're gonna do without this thing for this other thing. Like it's just such a warped view and we all do for different reasons, right? We have this warped Mm -hmm. view. And so until we align, I liked how you even said before too, right? Like all feelings are not necessarily productive. We'll call it that. I think you said valid, right? Sure. Yeah. We're having those thoughts, but what are we going to do about it? How can we transform what was shame and oppression and condemnation for what's Mm -hmm. truthful and life-giving because moving your body is like just healthy, right? Like I had to have so much transformation over stop living under that oppression that like, I hate running. I hate exercise. I hate being sweaty. I hate, you know, like it's yes. such this like torture. Torture. Yeah. It, it feels like, like self-torture. Yeah. Like how do we flip yeah, that? We're free. We're free to take care of ourselves yeah. and love ourselves and be kind. And so if we're not willing to be kind to ourselves, there's some kind of bold-faced lie that we're living under. Yeah. That needs transformed.
1: Yeah. I mean, as long as your physical health is about meeting a standard or an ideal. It is going to inevitably feel like a form of self-torture. Because guess what? It is. Yeah. Like yeah. you're you're forcing yourself to do something to meet some standard that who set that yeah. ultimately you set for yourself. And then it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel authentic. It starts to feel yucky. And so what do we yeah. do? We quit. We self-sabotage somehow. We quit. We get out of it. But then our health suffers. And so it's reframing it so that what is what are these habits going to allow me to do with my life first yeah. of all what do i want to do with my life and in order to show up at that capacity i have to be well rested yeah i have to be healthy i have to be clear headed like i i'm going to need energy to show up in life the way that i want to but i think people get trapped talk about a bold faith lie, like just in hopelessness of like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Like I'm never going to be the energetic mom that is able to stay calm and patient with her kids. Yeah. Like, I've tr- like, that's not me. And, and they are totally stuck in their story rather than questioning it and saying like, well, what would I need to do? Yeah. Who would I need to be? how would I need to take care of myself in order to show up as the energetic mom that's capable of staying calm? Yeah. Right. And so you're, so then those habits now have a brand new purpose
2: Yeah, and it
1: doesn't feel yucky and it doesn't feel inauthentic. It now feels very purposeful. Yeah. Um, and so I think helping that's again, one of the things I love doing is helping yeah. people, um, really, identify why is your health important to you? Yeah, like let's get rid of the lies. Let's get rid yeah. of the standards. and um like what why is it important you to feel your best and to show up, yeah with energy and clarity? and yeah. so ab- absolutely. And I've and I like in saying all that, it's because I've had to ask all of that of myself too yeah. and transform, yeah. My story of as an 80s kid, weight like we grew up with moms on Weight Watchers and supermodels in the nineties and (laughs) excuse me, we grew up with all that. So yeah, I've had to transform it for myself. (laughs) Yes. Oh my word. Yeah. Yeah. Light, L-I-T-E, whoever changed that spelling. I don't know. Like, where did that come from? Yep. Totally.
0: Well, and then it's such an interesting, I think once, I think that's, what's awesome about getting older is the older we get, the more freedom. I think the easier it is for us to embrace even just our own individuality, right? Because how can we start to look at our neighbor? How can we look at those other Instagram people or other people that are doing things that looks more like, man, I wish I looked like that. I wish I was that energetic mom, or I wish I could have been that younger special needs mom that did it that way, instead of the way mm, that I did mm-hmm. it. Right. I use those stories to inspire us and not condemn us. But then also like, what do we need? Right. Cause I think even hearing what you're saying, like, yeah, those are all the basic things that we know are good for us. And we just don't do the good things. But the reason why I'm not doing the good things for myself is not the same reason, probably, for why you're doing those things, right? And so the solution, like, how do we leave room for? It's not one size fits all,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but we can use each other for inspiration instead of condemnation, and to take ownership of ourselves, take ownership and responsibility of our well-being, and do it because we're valuable. You know, if we don't have that identity that we're worth it and we do have value, then It'll always stay in that space. I wonder, you know, of just that condemnation, I'm not good enough. We're comparing and competing instead of coming alongside and inspiring each other and
1: collaborating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Encouraging one another. Yep. Everything you said. <laughs> yep.
0: I love it. Well, any other last nuggets you have for us or have on your heart that you still want to share before we close
1: out? I will say this, like if anyone listening just can relate with the portion of my story of really having lived chronically in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, just like speaking to my old self, like if you are also in that position, it would just be don't minimize Mm. what you're feeling and ask for help. I would say um, going to my therapist was long overdue (laughs) right I I should have done it far before then and then once I finished working with her I started working with a coach and again that was a necessary component in my healing was to be able to process and talk and correct my thinking and so um, even if it's not a professional that you work with You need people in order to grow and heal. God made us to live in community, not to live isolated. And so whether it's a family member, a friend, or a professional, include people in your struggle, even when you're struggling to articulate what's wrong. I I can remember other times in my life where I would say to people, like, I don't know what's wrong and I don't know when I'm going to feel differently, but but I know I'm going to be okay. Like, yeah. you know, I just yeah. need to get through this. I don't know what this is, but yeah. Yeah. I would say include people, um, include professionals or include people you trust Yeah, and be so kind to yourself and just give yourself so much grace and, and get curious with yourself. Don't judge yourself um, or condemn, like you said, but just get really curious of like, um, why am I feeling this way? Don't make it wrong necessarily. Just, yeah, you know, yeah. really get curious, start labeling things. Love it.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. I love yes. the conversation we could have today. I really appreciate the information you had
1: for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if people want more information about what I do, my website is amandamcmaster.com. I'm on Instagram as the uh, um, at the Amanda McMaster, so Perfect. Um, people can follow me there and be awesome. reminded to drink their water and get their sleep at night.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. I can <laughs> definitely do water. I do have to tackle yeah. better sleep, but I love the hard <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, Amanda.
1: Yeah. Thank you. thank you
0: so much for joining me today. If you would like more information about opportunities for coaching or more help outside of the podcast, you can follow us at beyondthewalls.podcast on Instagram, or check out our website, beyondthewallspodcast.com. Until next time. Bye.